0: Families in fear. These are children, these are families, these are
1: mothers and fathers
0: walking into this facility. Another deadly shooting in a very public place. The key evidence investigators are looking for.
2: Disturbing attack at a Victoria encampment.
0: This was no good place for this this child.
2: A missing 15-year-old discovered in a tent with possibly life-altering injuries. And
3: incoming infections. We do have some concerns with the implementation
0: of the federal quarantine. The concern about international flights arriving from COVID hotspots.
4: You're watching Global BC.
0: This is Global News Hour at 6.
2: Good evening and thanks for joining us. Homicide investigators are dealing with their third targeted murder in less than a week.
0: As Grace Key reports, the latest happened in broad daylight at a Langley Recreation Complex where families with children were gathering.
5: The busy Langley Sportsplex is the latest scene of what's believed to be a gang shooting. Bullet casings could be seen on the ground next to the body. The complex is home to several ice rinks, a gym, indoor playground and daycares. So I
6: dropped my kids off around nine o'clock and then I was also coming out from the parking lot. I heard um, five to six gunshots. It was very consistent gunshots.
7: As I was pulling in. Uh, I saw that there was a man laying down in the front door there, and uh, there was a couple of people trying to help him.
1: Two of our very good ice guys had to work on him and try to revive him this morning, and our, I know that our front desk staff also saw it. So I'm laying there dead. So. Yeah, it's pretty traumatic.
5: Police have tentatively identified the victim, believed to be a man in his 40s with gang ties. They are looking for a possible link into Saturday's targeted shooting at Vancouver's Coal Harbour, where 31-year-old Harpreet Singh Dhaliwal was killed.
8: If uh, our victim is who we believe he is, he was very well known to police. Okay, And again, we believe his
5: death was targeted. This gray Dodge pickup is believed to be the suspect vehicle. It was torched a short time later and found on the 1200 block of Riverside Drive in Port Coquitlam. One woman who just dropped her kids off at the daycare in the sportsplex believes the pickup was trying to get around her right after the shooting.
6: I think what happened is the, the shooter waited for me to leave because I parked out front right in front of the entrance and then after I left he fired a gunshot, he got in his car. Um, and then I think he was
5: actually behind me because he was trying to bypass me when I was trying to pull off in the parking lot. IHIT is asking for dash cam video. They believe the suspect car went over the Golden Ears Bridge and then onto the Loheed Highway. If you were in the area, you could have key evidence to help solve this case. Grace Key, Global News.
2: A Victoria teen who had been reported missing is in hospital tonight with potentially life-altering injuries after being attacked in one of the tents at Beacon Hill Park. As Kylie Stanton reports, making this incident even more disturbing, police and other first responders say they were confronted when they responded to the scene.
1: In the light of day, it's relatively calm. Campers lounging outside their tents in Beacon Hill Park. A very different scene from what police are saying happened here Tuesday night.
0: We were called just after 10 p.m. for a report that a 15-year-old had been choked and assaulted in a man's tent, a 38-year-old man's tent, uh, within the park.
1: Officers were called in for backup by paramedics and firefighters already on scene for another call when they learned of the assault. But the police didn't get far.
0: There were a lot of campers that uh, came out to the scene that were uh, encroaching on officers and, and really encouraging uh, the youth not to speak with us.
5: The youth,
1: who had recently been reported missing and is developmentally delayed, was eventually apprehended by officers under the Child, Family and Community Services Act. But it didn't happen without a fight.
3: Our officers were were bit, they were spat on uh, and, and again faced a, a very hostile environment.
1: The 15-year-old is now in hospital with life-altering injuries. It's the latest in a string of disturbing attacks targeting those who are particularly vulnerable. In March a woman was found dead on the side of the road outside the park. Police have since ruled it was a homicide, and just recently, a man with Down syndrome was attacked in the same spot. This latest incident, while not connected, only adds to the disturbing trend.
9: This is nothing new. Anytime you get large encampments, you get a criminal element that preys on the vulnerable.
1: The city of Victoria has said it intends to house all campers by the end of April. Council released a report this week saying it plans to work with everyone on an individual basis. But if housing is refused, action will be taken.
9: We will go to court, we will get an injunction and you will be removed.
1: In the meantime, police are turning their attention to locating the suspect in this case who managed to escape the area amid the chaotic situation. It's expected he will face several charges.
0: We're very familiar with him. We hope that that helps us in locating him and getting him into custody soon.
1: Kylie Stanton, Global News, Victoria.
0: The man accused in the deadly stabbing rampage outside the Lynn Valley Library made another brief court appearance today. Yannick Bandalgo is facing one count of second-degree murder for the March 27th attacks that left one woman dead and six others injured. The 28-year-old was represented by his new lawyer as he appeared in court via video link. He quietly listened to the proceedings and answered coherently when he was spoken to. The court has now adjourned until May 5th to give defense counsel time to review documents from Crown.
2: Turning to COVID-19 in our province now, we have 862 new cases bringing BC's total to 121,751 with more than 8,900 of those cases currently active. Hospitalization numbers are up again, 483 people in hospital with 164 of them in ICU. 13,135 people are in self-isolation And sadly, seven more people have died from complications of COVID-19. Let's bring in our Keith Baldry now. Keith, the BC Centre for Disease Control is confirming that a person in their 20s has died Mm -hmm. from COVID-19. And that's a first for BC.
10: Indeed, it is the first one we never wanted to see occur. The vast majority of people who have died of COVID-19 have generally been older, but uh, 14 people in their 30s have died of COVID since uh, last fall, and now the Center for Disease Control and their Situation Report reporting today, along with some other alarming numbers, that the first person in their 20s has passed away from COVID-19. But that's not the only thing they're reporting. Our hospitalizations have doubled weekly since mid-March, now at 299. Our weekly ICU cases have also tripled since mid-March. Fraser Health has had 25 new ICU cases in two days alone. Really bad what's going on in Fraser Health right now. They've got the most hospital cases and the most ICU cases on a daily basis. We talked to Health Minister Adrian Dix about this today. He wanted to talk about the person who died in their 20s. No real information about their personal situation, but he did say that death, of course, is a tragedy.
3: Whether you're in your 20s or you're younger or your 30s or your 40s, COVID 19 can be vicious. We've seen this and this case, which I think came out in the weekly summaries, the statistic that you're talking about of the person passing away. This case, as in all cases of young people who pass away, is particularly tragic. And, uh, and while I can't speak of the details of the case, I can say that everybody, especially everybody who's clinically vulnerable and everyone who gets an opportunity to get vaccinated, when your turn comes, get vaccinated with the vaccine that you're offered.
10: And the good news is more and more people are getting vaccinated, Sophie, so hopefully that number continues to climb. We're going to have a bit of a slowdown on our vaccine supply in the next few weeks, but it's really going to ramp up quite a bit in May. We're going to have many people with needles in their arms in May. One final note, tomorrow's briefing from Dr. Bonnie Henry and Health Minister Adrian Dix. A lot of people tune into that. It's been moved up from 3 o'clock. It will now be at 1 p.m. tomorrow, and we'll be carrying that live on BC1, of course.
2: Mark it on your schedule for tomorrow. Thank you, Keith.
0: The latest clarifications on the upcoming upcoming COVID-19 travel restrictions in B.C. are good news for lower mainlanders. The government now says Metro Vancouver drivers will not have to worry about travel checkpoints. Aaron MacArthur has the details. It's taken two days,
11: but the B.C. government is finally disclosing some of the details of its hastily announced plan to restrict people's movement in this province.
3: The goal is to discourage uh, travel, recreational travel, uh, outside of health authorities. Have a safe night. The union representing RCMP members has written a
11: letter to Farnworth outlining their unease at policing provincial borders. The minister now says the restrictions won't be applied at provincial borders. The roadblocks, similar to what you might see at a Christmas counterattack, will be set up between health authorities. But not in Metro Vancouver. Fraser Health and Vancouver Coastal Health will be considered one region.
3: You're likely to see something at the ferries, for example, or at the other obvious uh, location is uh, when you head into the interior uh, just before Hope.
11: On the island, people are being asked not to travel to other communities, but the only stops will be located near ferry terminals, a logistical nightmare, according to lawyers.
12: It's going to be hard for officers to discern, for instance, You know, where a person normally resides in some instances. It may also be difficult for them to discern where they're going. And then why? Is it essential? Is it not essential? How does a driver prove that on the roadside?
11: Tourism operators are being advised to cancel reservations from out of province and out of region guests until the May long weekend. In border towns, that's a tough pill to swallow but some say it will be worth it in the short term.
12: We're definitely fortunate that it is a time of the year when it's quieter for tourism. So hopefully what we can do is hunker down right now and then save our summer season.
11: There are still questions about enforcement, penalties, and what is considered essential travel. All of those details are expected Friday. Aaron MacArthur, Global News.
2: There are growing concerns tonight about the number of international flights arriving in Vancouver with positive COVID-19 cases on board. Ted Czernecki has more on the scope of the problem and what the prime minister has to say about it.
4: The largest number of COVID-infected international flights touching down at Vancouver International are from... India, now the center of a new wave of deadly variants. And there to greet them are BC's unvaccinated Canada Border Service agents. It seems to be the rare occasion now that a flight comes in without a case. This is Air India Flight 186 getting ready for takeoff from Vancouver back to India. This same flight on April 9th arrived with confirmed COVID cases on board. BC's Center for Disease Control can sometimes limit their warnings to those seated in a couple of rows. But on this flight, anyone sitting between rows 18 to 24, that's 56 seats, and between rows 34 to 40, another 52 seats, may have been exposed to COVID. That's almost 40 percent of the aircraft. Yes, some of the cases, including new variants, might be caught at the mandatory hotel three-day quarantine. But if someone just became infected during the flight, they may test negative, and everyone on board would have already had face-to-face contact with Canada Border Service agents.
3: We're not quarantined, nor are we tested. We would go back to the community.
4: We would we would go stop at a gas station, go to Costco, you know, do our shopping. And there's a new black market emerging on the dark web. You can purchase fake documents for just about anything, including paperwork that claims you've been tested before leaving your country or that you've been vaccinated.
3: As we see, is there is no standardized form in the world for a COVID test, unlike passports, which have biometrics, security measures built into them. The forms that we are receiving, they could be from anywhere. There has been confirmed fraudulent
4: cases of these test results coming in. So why is Canada also one of the world's COVID hotspots? allowing almost daily flights from another world hotspot. I can
13: reassure people that it is only a tiny fraction uh, of the cases we have in Canada that are importation. But even with just a tiny fraction, it's really important
4: that we continue to look into it. We've banned flights before, like from China when this pandemic first started, from the UK when new variants were being discovered. But over a year into this pandemic, the choice of weapon for governments here seems to default to another shutdown of local economies. Ted Chernecki Global News.
0: The B.C. government is under fire again tonight for not implementing a provincial sick pay program. Despite promising for months to fill the gaps in federal programs, sick pay was left out of Tuesday's budget. Richard Zussman has more.
6: It's a growing list. Businesses shut down by the province due to COVID-19 exposures.
3: We're going to intervene, working with business, working with Worse Safe, working with provincial health to keep workers safe and to keep businesses safe.
6: Dozens of businesses from manufacturing to fitness centres in Fraser Health closed. It's still clear workers are going to work sick and reigniting calls for a true paid sick day program.
8: They don't feel they can take a day off to get a test or a vaccine. They need the protection of paid sick days.
6: The federal government does have a program. You're eligible if you're sick with COVID-19 or may have COVID-19, are advised to self-isolate due to COVID, or have underlying health conditions putting you at greater risk of getting the virus. But there's gaps. A worker is only eligible if they work more than half the shifts in a Monday to Sunday week. They can only receive up to $450 a week after tax, and the payments are often delayed. Uh, in an exclusive Global BC interview with BC, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, he said it's up to the provinces, care, not his government, to fill the, the, the gaps.
13: I know that a number of provinces are looking themselves at how they can complete those gaps. As I said, the federal government is responsible for eight out of every $10
6: of support. Premier John Horgan did promise paid sick days, and the province is still consulting on filling some of those gaps, but there wasn't any money included in the provincial budget.
14: There's this cruel, perfect storm irony. The lowest paid workers, $30,000 a year and less, are almost 90% of them have no form of real sick pay.
12: The gap is that, once again, we have a commitment made by a premier who said that he was going to take care of workers in British Columbia who do not have uh, sick day coverage, and it is glaringly missing in the budget.
6: BC will be ensuring workers who have to miss shifts to get a COVID-19 vaccine are compensated, but on the larger issue, that's still work in progress. Richard Sussman, Global News, Victoria.
2: The big breakup in Vancouver politics. There is only one remaining female member on the NPA council after three others quit the party. Why they're walking away with the mayoral race already heating up next on the news hour.
0: The final report into a deadly midair collision involving two sightseeing planes and why they crashed coming up on the News Hour.
2: And Emily Yu does it again. New charges after she appeared at a home she no longer owns.
0: That in a moment. But uh, right now, there's been a big shakeup in Vancouver civic politics. Three councillors have announced that they are leaving the NPA to sit as independents.
2: And as Neetu Garcha reports, it's just the latest development that's heating up an election,
12: still a year and a half away. These three Vancouver councillors stepping down from a party they say can't be trusted to govern responsibly. We have felt we had no choice but to stand up. Um, and move forward and sit as independents. Effective Wednesday, Sarah Kirby Young, Colleen Hardwick and Lisa Dominato are out of the nonpartisan association. They say after being blindsided what they call an old boys club decision involving an election 18 months away. I guess it was the straw that broke
15: the camel's back when the NPA board unilaterally appointed John Cooper
12: as mayoral candidate. The fact that it was done behind closed doors, sort of a secret backroom deal. In the trio's open letter to party members and supporters, a series of events listed as leading up to this boiling point, including in 2019 when Councillor Rebecca Bly months resigned months. over alleged anti soji board members and last July when four directors resigned over what they call the board's ineffectiveness. Cooper says he's disappointed.
3: The only difference is because I had previously gone through the process and had been vetted now by three different boards. You know, they did move a little bit quicker, but that's really the only difference.
12: Asked if there could have been more opportunities for diverse mayoral candidates, Cooper said this.
3: Well, I think we'll have a diverse group running with the NPA, and I look forward to that.
12: It's not the same as having a mayor who gets a shot.
3: No, I have the the nomination, and I'm I'm planning on uh, moving forward with it, and I look forward to getting the support of residents of Vancouver.
12: But the party missed an opportunity, says independent journalist Jagdish Man.
3: Vancouver
13: has never elected either a female mayor or a
11: non-white mayor. It's unfortunate that the MPA, a legacy party uh, with such strong standing and lengthy roots in the city, has taken um, has decided to appoint uh, someone without actually allowing other candidates to come forward and bring their voices in.
12: These councillors, who will announce their future plans soon, say their move sends a strong message. Democracy matters. Nitu Garcha, Global News.
2: Up next, a truck owner gets a paint job he didn't ask for.
7: The paint has hit us down this entire side.
2: His run-in with highway paint sprayers. And what happened when he asked for some compensation coming up in Consumer Matters.
7: Also, a
0: dramatic turn of events in the Meng Wanzhou extradition case and how she won a three-month delay in proceedings.
12: Major delays here in New Westminster due to a five-car crash. Eastbound Stewartson Way is blocked near 3rd Avenue. Westbound traffic is down to just a single lane. Still driving around on winter tires. Driving to Mr. Loop for same-day tire changes. No appointment needed. 15 Lower Mainland locations. Find one near you at mrloop.com. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One. High above a crash in New West.
2: Notorious former North Vancouver condo owner Emily Yu is now facing a new criminal charge.
0: Yu allegedly broke into her former townhome on April 10th, and neighbors say she appeared to have a moving crew taking her belongings back inside. That townhouse no longer belongs to Yu after it was bought by new owners in a court-ordered sale. Yu was slapped with another court order barring her from setting foot on the property, and Yu has now been charged with one count of break and enter.
2: A three-month delay has been granted in Meng Wanzhou's ongoing extradition case. Meng's defense team asked for the delay, saying they need time to review bank documents recently released by a court in Hong Kong that may be relevant to the case. The judge's reasons for granting the delay are expected to be made public next week. The extradition case is now set to resume August 3rd. Meng was arrested at YVR in 2018 at the request of the United States to face fraud charges related to US sanctions against Iran.
0: If COVID restrictions are lifted, allowing you to take a road trip this summer, make sure you watch out for road painting crews working on the highway. Consumer reporter Andrew joins us with a cautionary tale involving overspray and one man's fight for compensation, Ann.
15: Thanks, Chris. A BC man is warning drivers after he made a highway-related claim to the province. Last summer, his truck was sprayed when he passed a road marking crew. Now, almost 10 months later, he's no closer to getting a resolution.
7: The paint has hit us down this entire side, so it started here.
15: Peter Murphy's vehicle received an unwanted paint job along Highway 4 near Port Alberni. If I just wipe the dirt off.
7: You'll see, you'll see, have an easier time seeing it. Oh yeah, there you go.
15: The Kelowna resident was driving to Ucluilid on a narrow stretch last July when he came across a road marking crew.
7: Murphy says he obeyed the
15: signage and slowed down as a road painting truck approached.
7: I just remember looking down the oncoming lane saying, okay, that, that paint truck is painting right now, he's, he's coming our way, and... I can only pull over so far. Making
15: matters worse, he says, there was no barrier between his vehicle and the painting truck.
7: There's no plexiglass or barrier of any kind.
15: When he arrived in Yuclula, Murphy was shocked to find the entire lower section of the driver's side of his truck had been sprayed with yellow road paint, including the wheel wells and tires. Once home, he contacted the BC Transportation Ministry seeking financial compensation but says he didn't hear back for weeks.
7: I followed up after six weeks and they said, okay, yes, um, we are going to contact the construction or the road marking company. Murphy eventually took his truck to a
15: detail shop paying close to $800 out of his own pocket to have the paint
7: removed. I suppose I suppose I could have have called ICBC and made a claim and paid a deductible, but, you know, ICBC didn't do anything wrong. We didn't do anything wrong.
15: Consumer Matters reached out to road Roadmarking about Murphy's case. We were told to direct our inquiries to the province. The ministry has a specific claims process designed to ensure a fair review and encourages Mr. Murphy to follow the claims process as it allows for the submission of photos. But even with Murphy going through the process again and submitting photos, he was no closer to receiving any compensation. In a second email to Consumer Matters, the province stating, each file is unique and time to resolve can vary depending on the volume and complexity of requests. We understand that the claimant has received a response and thank the claimant for their patience. Yeah, there's still some overspray. But Murphy says he hasn't received a resolution, just options, submitting
7: a freedom of information request or pursuing the matter in small claims court. At no point in time was the province or this marking company going to take responsibility for this. That's the impression I got over and over again.
15: And Peter Murphy hopes that by sharing his story, others will, with the same experience will contact the province and demand changes to how these types of cases are dealt with. He says small claims seems to be his only option for recourse. And if you have a consumer issue for me, you can email me at globalnews.ca.
0: All right, and we've been warned. Thank
6: you very much.
2: Up ahead, the Prime Minister in a one-on-one.
6: Do you believe provinces should be telling their citizens they can't move about their own province?
2: How Justin Trudeau responds to that and other questions from our Richard Zussman.
0: But first, the report into a mid-air collision relates the terrifying moments for passengers who survived and the heroic actions by the pilot. Believe BC, featured on Global News Hour at six, celebrates the innovative minds working together to reignite business throughout our province. Believe BC.
4: Brought to you in part by the BCTF. Our kids and their teachers. Worth investing in.
12: Good evening. CounterFlow is out over here at the Massey Tunnel and traffic is moving well both ways on Highway 99 through the tunnel. Still driving around on winter tires? Drive to Mr. Loop for same-day tire changes. No appointment needed. 15 lower mainland locations. Find one near you at mrloop.com. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One at the Massey Tunnel.
0: We are getting a better idea today of the dramatic moments after a mid-air collision in Alaska two years ago that killed six people. New information in the U.S. National Transportation Safety Board report concludes the crash happened because the pilots simply couldn't see each other. The de Havilland Otter and a smaller de Havilland Beaver were carrying passengers from the Royal Princess cruise ship when they collided near Ketchikan in May of 2019. All five people on the beaver died, including a Richmond woman. One person on the otter died. Survivors say after the collision, one passenger in the otter had one leg outside of the airplane. Other passengers and his seatbelt were the only things that kept them from being pulled out completely. Another passenger saw the pilot bloodied but still flying the plane as the wind whipped around his head After the plane slammed into the water, one passenger recalls other passengers screaming in pain as he pulled them out of the wreckage. Their injuries were horrendous, most of them fractures of the spine, arms and ribs, and lacerations or blunt force injuries. As for the cause, the NTSB says the pilots had obstructed views, either because of the structure of the cockpit or passengers in the way. Both planes were equipped with systems that track other aircraft, but they weren't working properly. The NTSB says the crash proves again that the see and avoid method of flying when in busy airspace simply isn't good enough.
3: We have known about the limitations of this for a long, long time. Quite frankly, when you're out there flying around in the big sky, it can be difficult to spot another airplane.
0: The has issued 10 safety recommendations, including that planes operating in high traffic tour areas must broadcast their locations to other aircraft.
2: $10 a day childcare, COVID 19 vaccines, pandemic border control.
0: Just two days after Prime Minister Justin Trudeau brought down his latest budget, Global's Richard Zussman talked exclusively with the PM about some of the biggest issues ever to face our country.
6: Your promise towards $10 a day childcare may not become a reality for a lot of parents who have kids in childcare now. How quickly can you deliver on this for Canadians and what should people expect in terms of what they'll get for affordable childcare?
13: Well, the first part is, of course, having a willing partner on the provincial side because this can only be done as a partnership. Uh, We're putting big money on the table, but we're expecting people to move forward in ways that are gonna create spaces, uh, increase the quality and affordability of childcare. Uh, Fortunately, my conversations with the BC government have always been very, very positive on that, so I'm uh, sure we're gonna be able to move forward uh, rapidly. Has it been
6: frustrating the United States has not been a more willing partner in terms of sending vaccine? especially the AstraZeneca vaccine they're not using?
13: Listen, every, every country is facing its own challenges. One of the things we did from the very beginning was ensure a really diversified supply of uh, potential vaccines. Uh, we signed deals with about seven different companies from around the world, uh, sourced them from all f- different parts of the world. But uh, you'll remember that, particularly given the previous administ- American administration's stance, uh, we uh, did most of our sourcing from outside of the United States, uh, obviously with the Biden administration, uh, we're looking at uh, actually shifting that around, but those conversations continue to be ongoing.
6: So your government stopped flights from the UK when we saw variant spread there. What's different now with India? Uh, well, actually, we
13: paused flights from the UK uh, for a short period of time while we brought in new measures. For example, uh, the pre-departure test uh, and then uh, the uh, the on-arrival testing and quarantine, for example. Uh, we've already brought in those measures that are significantly stronger than what we had before. Uh, but we're, again, looking at what next and what more we can do uh, to keep people safe. Every step of the way, this government has done what is necessary to keep people safe and we will continue to do that.
6: Do you believe provinces should be telling their citizens they can't move about their own province?
13: Well, I mean, that's not exactly the role of the federal government, to be telling provinces what to do. Provinces uh, uh, make the right decisions for their jurisdictions. But we've seen, for example, whether it was the uh, the Arctic territories uh, bringing in a travel ban from the very beginning, or even the Atlantic bubble, uh, that the federal government didn't have any role in imposing or judging or anything. Uh, we just support. And, and uh, that was very effective. So we will be there to support the government of B.C. Uh, in the decisions that it takes to manage the spread of. COVID uh, uh, in, uh, in, in British Columbia. Uh, our role is to be there to support with uh, extra testing kits, with contact tracing, with uh, any measures that uh, BCers need. Are there thoughts being
6: given to giving police more powers uh, to go after uh, those who are committing racist acts uh, against whoever in this country, but mainly around this anti-Asian racism we've seen increased? Uh,
13: hatred and intolerance in all its forms are absolutely unacceptable in Canada and whether it's uh, anti-black racism, uh, indigene- anti-indigenous racism or as we've seen really troublingly a rise in anti-Asian racism uh, we've continued to step up. We specifically put uh, resources in this budget towards uh, fighting racism uh, in, 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 systemic, uh, in systemic ways but also supporting community organizations including specifically to support uh, uh, the fight against anti-Asian uh, racism. We will continue to be there and and make sure that uh, that that jurisdictions have uh, better supports and that everyone understands that, that is simply unacceptable In Canada.
2: In health matters tonight, two ALS patients who live in Kelowna are speaking out, advocating for access to clinical trials in BC that might give them hope for a better quality of life. As Global Shelby Tom reports, with dozens of promising therapies on the horizon, And the Project HOPE initiative, they say there's never been a more promising time to push the science forward.
3: ALS has taken so many things away
8: from me. Sarah McDonald is determined to still use her voice, even though she's lost it.
3: My voice... The ability to drink and eat and my independence.
8: Sarah communicates through a computer after ALS robbed her of her speech. The UBCO administrator received the devastating diagnosis in January 2020. It's a rare neurological disease that gradually paralyzes people because the brain is no longer able to communicate with the body's muscles. Sarah met Daryl Borsato, a fellow ALS patient, through a patient-led initiative called ALS Action Canada. It's
4: my legs
0: that have been affected, and it slows down my ability to walk.
8: Daryl says he traveled to Montreal 16 times in just four months to participate in a stage one clinical trial. With no cure, he wants to help advance the science to slow the rapid progression of the disease.
0: Even if there's no hope for us, there's hope for the future. Um,
8: That's why the pair are advocating for access to research trials in B.C.
3: Participating in clinical trials is the only source of possible treatment.
8: Because uh,
16: ALS sufferers um, live from two to five years after diagnosis, there's a very rapid um, decline uh, in their ability to participate in Uh, trials.
8: There is promising news on the horizon. The ALS Society of BC has raised more than five million dollars to create a clinical research and trial program at UBC.
0: Canada as a whole would be able to run larger trials uh, and participate on, on a global level in that way.
8: Giving hope to patients like Daryl and Sarah who not long ago felt hopeless.
0: This is the first time we've seen hope for years.
8: Shelby Tom, Global News.
0: Still to come, truth
9: is stranger than fiction. Our largest competitor, Amazon, uh,
0: was taking four to six weeks to supply people with books. How Vancouver's iconic pulp fiction bookstore wrote a new kind of survival story during the pandemic.
2: Also, tonight, saddle up for a dramatic rescue in Kamloops.
0: You're watching Global News Hour at 6. Summer in April has been pretty good so far. Hey, Soph. Yeah.
2: Oh, beautiful out there. But,
17: <laughs> Kasha. Box. all good things must pause not come to an end just pause that's exactly right thank you so much no it's true Uh, things are coming to an end though we still do have one more day with our rendezvous of summer right now it is looking just glorious out there you can see from the gross mountain uh, wind turbine that barely any winds out there very light calm winds that's coming in from the southwest at seven kilometers per hour and ironically now the tower cam is shaking it's 14 degrees and temperatures range between 17 and 20 degrees for us across the lower mainland. And the hot spot in the entire country today was Lytton at nearly 25 degrees. But what a view this was earlier this morning. Barely a cloud in the sky. Limitless visibility out there as shown through Jason's photo here in Vancouver. And Ellen takes us to Main Island where you can see beautiful, colorful reflections. But tomorrow is Earth Day. This is where we do show our support for all Earth Day or all Earth protection initiatives. And Every day should be Earth Day, and I think our friend Christy Gordon would agree. Tomorrow's going to be beautiful, mainly sunny sky, 16 to 20 degrees. There is snow falling in the northeast of the province, 5 to 10 centimeters of snow. Near the mountains of the BC piece, this uh, cold front, Sag South, produces some flurries for the central interior as well as the Columbia Mountains. And tomorrow's going to be a little bit unsettled across the southeast of the province. Even tonight, we do have a chance of a shower in the Okanagan. It's a little unsettled over there right now, too. But look at this. It's going to be a beauty of a day tomorrow. A lot of sunshine. Temperature is far cooler tomorrow by a good 5 to 10 degrees across especially eastern sections of the province. Five degrees cooler in Kelowna at 15 Today was a 20 degree weather day and 16 to 20 again under mainly sunny skies. There's your long range for Metro Vancouver with the comeback of rain for the weekend. Okay, so your Sentra Windows weather window was brought to us by Al Simon of Stanley Park. The cherry blossoms, they never get old. Beautiful colors, glorious morning light shining light on them. There you go.
0: Well done, Alan. Thank you, Kasha.
17: Thanks, Kesha. A rancher family
2: in the Kamloops area has rescued a wild foal, possibly after being alerted by the young horse's mother. Okay, mama, we hear ya.
0: Jordan Camille was out checking some fence lines near the Kamloops Reserve Saturday when he came across a small herd of wild horses that didn't run off as they usually do. It was then that he and his wife Candace spotted the baby stuck in a mud hole at the bottom of a gully.
15: I had Candace watch for the mare as I went down into the mud pit and I was I think it was about second or third try I was able to pick him up and carry him out. Yeah. And then from that point out I put him in a safe spot where the mare can come and nuzzle him and start circulation in his body and uh, get him drinking and, and moving.
0: Soon after that, the mayor and the stallion came over to check on the little guy, which appeared to be just fine after the ordeal. How Mm. sweet is that?
17: Yeah, beautiful images. Wow.
0: All
2: right, Squire is here now, post-COVID Canucks Squire.
16: I know, they can't be stopped. Two straight wins for Vancouver since coming out of the uh, outbreak, and both wins against Toronto As the game went on, the Canucks weren't tiring out as many thought. They got stronger.
10: Yeah, it says a lot about your group.
16: Um, They want to win. And winning becomes a little bit easier when the
0: opposition netminder lets in goals like that. We'll talk about that as well. All right. Also tonight, Reading Resurgence. How the pandemic is helping this iconic bookstore write a happier ending.
3: Growing fear.
7: A lot of Asians are really scared right now. Canada,
0: it's time to talk. Hidden hate, anti-Asian racism. A global news special, Saturday at 7.30. Well, apparently somebody hired somebody to uh, fly a banner mm-hmm. that said fire Benning" around uh, the lower mainland. Maybe they're regretting that after the success the Canucks are having now. Really? You spent money on that, eh? <laughs> okay.
2: I think they crowdfunded it.
0: Really? People
16: gave money for that? Wow. Well, there is there is a crowd out there who is not happy with the way the Canucks have been run. But in the last two games, things have gone pretty well. And when the Canucks were struck down by COVID, they, of course, were not only a long way out of a playoff spot. They were also a team had played more games than most other teams. But that's now flipped. Vancouver has four games at hand in Montreal, which holds the final playoff spot. And they're only eight points back. They've gone from an outbreak to a breakout. Vancouver's chances of uh, making the playoffs are still only about 20%, but that's a lot better than before. And those two wins over Toronto certainly brought up the hope meter a bit. And uh, by the way, after getting such a bad break with COVID, the Canucks deserved a break themselves. Enter David Riddich, who let two goals in last night that even I think a beer league rent-a-goalie would be embarrassed by. That Both in the third, the first one for Nils Hoglander right through the five-hole there. looked like a tunnel. And then Tanner and this one goes off, is skating in. But Riddich, after the game, took the blame. What are you
6: uh, I'm taking full responsibility for this game. I think players did did great job. They got three goals for me, and uh, I just didn't respond, so I got to get better.
16: That banner should also say, play Riddich more. Rather than just fire Benning. Uh, the uh, longest timeout in CFL history is going to be a little bit longer. Instead of starting the season on June the 10th, they've moved the start date down to August 5th for obvious reasons. And the Grey Cup will not be played now until December 12th in Hamilton. And instead of 18 regular
14: season games, they'll play only 14. With the start of the 2021 CFL season pushed back to August, more than two full years will have passed since Mike Ryan and his BC Lions teammates last had a training camp. As of right now, the plan is to return to Kamloops for camp at some point this summer.
0: I know we talked in the bubble last year about about shortening training camp, but uh, I think there's a fair acknowledgement and and acceptance that we're going to need a full training camp because the players have been off for so long.
14: And come August, the CFL also needs fans in the stands for its 14-game season. How many is yet to be determined? Same goes for the financial losses CFL teams are going to suffer playing an abbreviated season with few fans watching the action in person.
0: We've been working with BC Place on a, a formula of about 17-18% of the lower deck uh, which would put somewhere in, in 4000 to 5000 in. Uh, the, nothing is, is written in stone yet. Go! Go!
14: Then there's the whole XFL thing. One of the biggest questions surrounding the Canadian Football League is its potential relationship with the twice-filled league. So might this be the final year of Canadian football as we know it? The time being, this is all the CFL commissioner is officially willing to say. You know, for the longest time, the reality of our league has been that our players and our game have been stronger than the business model that we play in. And the fact is, uh, the conversation with the XFL is about, is there a business model that would support our players and our game and our fans in a, in a better way? And that's where the exploration has really focused on is a long term is, is what is that long term opportunity if, if there is one. So those conversations are ongoing. But 2021 is all about the CFL. Jay Janowar, Global Sports. Okay, there is talk
16: around Vancouver City Hall of trying to stage a Formula E race next year, likely around the same area where the old Molson Indy was held. The uh, city has been approached by a promoter called the OSS Group, which apparently would pay for everything. And uh, this is, i got to say, in the early stages... Who knows if it'll happen, but if it does, Formula E cars uh, are electric. The circuit uh, has been around since 2014. This year there are 12 teams with two cars each, at least 10 races, possibly 18 if they can hold them all. The races last around 45 minutes, and these cars can go pretty fast. Top speed, 280K. Women's World Hockey Championships have been cancelled. They were supposed to start May 6th in Halifax, but... The Nova Scotia government has put a stop to it. Ten teams were supposed to be involved. There is hope they can reschedule the tournament for sometime in the summer.
2: All right. Thanks, Squire.
16: Well,
0: let's hope so. Thank you. How the pandemic has a storybook ending for a Vancouver bookstore. Next. Well, with British Columbians spending so much time at home over the pandemic, booksellers are reporting a renaissance of reading.
2: And for Vancouver's Pulp Fiction Books, 2020 was the busiest year ever. So much so, they've now opened a third location and hired more staff. Amadagahi reports.
9: Uh, also, this Edgar Allan Poe. What's happening
11: inside Vancouver's Pulp Fiction books is unlike many small business stories
9: you've heard since last March. It was a surprise, a pleasant surprise, but, but, a, but a stressful and, un, and an unusual one.
11: The book business is booming, up
9: 200% since the start of the pandemic,
11: driven by online purchase and delivery.
9: At one point, I had a little bell on my email, that would make a little you know, tinkle every time an email came out and I turned that off pretty quickly. That's not a stock item.
11: Christopher Brayshaw says people prefer the paperback because after long days of Zoom calls and
9: emails, They need a break from the screen. Many people say to me, I want some uninterrupted time just in my head where nothing is trying to claw at my attention. Nothing's trying to sell me something. There is a sense of pride that comes with the success. Our business was contributing something to a community that was very stressed out and anxious.
11: Predicting book sales will continue to surge after COVID-19, Brayshai is now looking at hiring and expanding with an online-only warehouse.
9: We think the future is pretty bright.
11: Amar Global News.
2: Shop local.
0: That's right. It made a great point. There are no ads in books (laughs) either. You get tired of seeing those. Not page 23. Oh, wait five seconds to skip ad.
2: It's nice to have a real book in your hands it is.
0: we we do love commercials around here though we pay the bills <laughs> uh let's just check in with kasha one more time before we go
17: yeah and i think we've been loving the sunshine as well tomorrow's going to be day 13 it's not all over just yet enjoy it we've got mainly sunny skies tomorrow and fridays when the big change is upon us
0: thanks for coming in when you could have been at the beach
17: <laughs> i could
2: have
0: been it. we may have talked about that have First, a good night everyone
2: <laughs> good night all